Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And just like that, we are back for another edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. Uh, awfully glad to have you with us today. Um, always pleased when you take the time to join us, but remember, if you can't always make it, any of these conversations are archived at lavellelaw.com and here on Blog Talk Radio, so uh, you can always go back and listen or listen for a first time at another time. Now, uh, this is Jim Mitchell. Glad to have you here, and, and I anticipate an interesting discussion today. My guest is Christina Regal of Lavelle Law Limited, and you may recall from past visits that Christina is a member of the Family Law Practice Group at Lavelle Law. We've talked about a number of interesting topics with her over the years, and today we venture into maybe we'll say some sensitive territory. So before we start with that, let's first of all take a minute here and say hello. Christina, thanks for taking the time to be back with me today. Thanks for having me, Jim. So in previous discussions, you and I have covered a number of aspects of divorce proceedings. Uh, today we take a bit of a different view as we talk about what I think is termed alienation of affection. Now, unfortunately, Christina, what we're talking about today really stems from a marriage in which one spouse is found to have cheated on the other in, in term, basic terms of what we're talking about today, correct? That's right. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh alienation of affection, what what has to happen, um, and, and exactly the type of scenario we're talking about and the details we'll get into today. Okay, so what we're talking about here is a case where a spouse can sue a third party for essentially causing the other spouse to lose their love for the spouse who's suing. So essentially, husband sues wife's boyfriend for um, causing wife to stop loving husband. <laughs> that, that's okay. pretty much um, the cause of action here. It's not something that you file against your spouse. It's something you file uh-huh. against your spouse's new, you know, new girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, and, and to do that, essentially what there would have to be shown is that, that prior to the relationship, the husband and wife were in love. Mm-hmm. Then... Okay that love left and that it was the defendant's fault that the relationship and the affection in the relationship was lost. So essentially that's the requirement for setting up this type of lawsuit. Okay. Well, I think there's going to be some interesting questions that that come out of this. Now, just to be clear, this is not then going to be part of the normal divorce proceeding. It's, It's sort of a separate action that takes place. That's right. And it, it can be consolidated with the divorce action so that they're all brought under the same case because the evidence, you know, the evidence may be similar or arising out of the same, you know, essentially the same facts, but it is a separate lawsuit. Okay. And is there any limits in terms of eligibility or who can actually file this type of a lawsuit? No, I mean, not particularly. Uh, you know, there would be issues of, you know, whether or not the claim is time-barred. Um, 
in Illinois, I believe the cause of action is just a two-year cause of action. So you wouldn't be able to go back, you know, say six years ago, you caused my wife to leave me. Um, you know, it's a short window, the kind that you would uh, associate with uh, personal injury claims. Okay. Now, from a practical point of view, I guess we'll start there. I, I know that in the past uh, we have mentioned that when talking about the divorce process, especially a contentious one, can can be fairly expensive to go through. Um, so if this is either added to an existing divorce proceeding or even a, a separate process, as you described it, possibly could be, uh, you know, are the co- costs then compounded? Do they, does it become really substantial to be able to pursue this? You know, the fact of the matter is, yes, and and essentially, um, it you know, it's the, the most important question that 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 people could ask is, you know, when when they're interested in bringing a cause of action for alienation of affection, the most important thing that I try to tell them is, are you ready for the financial side of this? Um, People approach me all the time who are going through a divorce asking if they can sue their spouse's new boyfriend or girlfriend for alienation of affection. What they're not realizing is that's essentially like a lawsuit um, that you would file against somebody who, um, let's say, you know, damaged your home or something. Um so it, it it really is litigation that requires multiple court appearances, discovery, all types of pleadings and people often don't realize that when you sue someone cuz you're angry at them, you also have to pay to sue them which can make it, you know, maybe seem a little counterproductive that you're actually out of pocket because someone else has wronged you. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of lawsuits and a lot of divorce lawsuits will settle. Um, And so the parties will come up with, you know, kind of a mutually agreeable, mutually agreeable settlement that, you know, they both get a little, they both lose a little, but, you know, neither party walks away with all or nothing. In these kind of cases, uh, there's probably not a lot of settling going on. So someone who files a case like this ought to be ready to literally go all the way to the bitter end to go to a trial. Okay. And if that we can talk be tough about Yeah, well, and if we talk about the expense associated with that, what's the potential outcome? I mean, if what what's the result someone would expect is it simply a financial payment of some sort for their suffering and loss of love? Well, that is, I mean, that is that, that is the desired outcome, right? They would have to show that they've been damaged in some way. And then then it's up to the attorneys and up to the litigant um himself or herself to quantify what the value of that loss is. Um and so, yes, it's it. You know, if there is, let's say, there's couples therapy that's involved. You know, that would be an obvious loss. You know, the cost of couples therapy, the cost of um, those, you know, payments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If there was other things that were lost as a result of it, then those could be damages as well. Um, in addition to maybe some, you know, some emotional damages that could be granted by the court. Okay. Well, we're we're talking uh, as we do from time to time with Attorney Christina Regal of Lavelle Law Limited, and um, we're covering a topic that uh, we've not encountered on the podcast before: alienation of affection. Very interesting so far. And, and in light of the last couple of questions and answers, um, you know, I assume that a case like this is is not taken very lightly in the courts. Uh, you talked about discovery and all of the process one would have to go through. What, what is the court looking for in terms of evidence to to prove a claim here? Well, it's just those three things that I talked about before, you know, that there was a love between the spouses, that that love was lost, and that the person, the new boyfriend or girlfriend, is the person who's responsible for the, lo- the love being lost. That's pretty much the 
essence of what's going to have to be proved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it would be a, a defense to say we weren't in love anymore anyway, or um, another defense to alienation of affection would be to say, well, we were in love, but then the person, you know, the plaintiff did something terrible, and it wasn't the new boyfriend that caused the loss of love. It was, you know, for instance, um, the plaintiff's uh, terrible work schedule (laughs) or, um, you know, his infidelity or something like that where, you know, uh, uh, a person as a defendant could try to uh, find a hole or put a hole in one of those elements. Okay. And are things like phone records and other communications and, and uh, uh, activities that may be tracked somehow, are those all then presented as, as evidence as part of the process? Absolutely. I mean, we're talking phone records, credit card statements, um, you know, a, a great a great resource for people looking for evidence, you know, of an affair is credit card statements. You know, did they check into a hotel? Did they go out? For meals, that sort of um, those sorts of evidentiary things are, are terrific. Another thing that um, that can be useful, and that um, many people now have uh, very quick access to, is screenshots of text messages. You know that um, to use your iPhone to take a picture of what's on the screen on a phone. I mean that that's my favorite type of evidence, <laughs> um, and and that can be very helpful and very damaging to the other side. Yeah. Now, when we talked about this potentially being part of a uh, divorce proceeding, assuming that divorce proceeding is going on, which is a very emotional and difficult process anyway, does adding this lawsuit into that, does that make the divorce proceeding, uh, from a judicial point of view, from a court point of view, easier or harder? Is it hindered? Does it help? Or is it simply irrelevant one from the other? You know, I mean, in in terms of... Um, a divorce case, these can be helpful because they can help, you know, kind of bring the parties, uh, you know, uh, when parties see that they're headed for litigation, they may be more quick to settle. So if you had, uh, you know, rock-solid case for alienation of affection, you know, it might against the third party, you know, the, the other spouse may find it, you know, find more of a reason to want to settle right off the bat and not go to a trial and want everything settled. In terms of a custody case, and this comes up a lot, Jim, is that people want to say, well, my wife cheated on me, therefore I should get custody of my children. Mm-hmm. They don't really go together, and the court doesn't doesn't see it that way, um, you know, unless one parent is, you know, using an affair to not be present at all, abandon the family, you know, take, you know, weeks-long trips or disappear, uh, you know, overnight when they should be watching the children, unless there are situations that literally impact the children, the fact that one party had an affair is really not going to come into play in a custody dispute. Um, you know, I think that's a lot of people would think that, that um that cheating state of mind is a betrayal of the family, and therefore that parent shouldn't have custody. But the court doesn't usually see it that way. Okay. Now, there's obviously emotional turmoil going on here. Uh, there's costs associated with it. Are there any other negative reasons, any reasons why you would suggest someone not pursue this type of suit? I mean, the, the principal reason why um, I would suggest someone didn't pursue this type of suit is that it's expensive, and the result is very uncertain. These things are very hard to prove. And, um, you know, opening yourself up to a litigation that's almost certainly going to have to pursue to a tri- proceed to a trial if there's going to be any positive outcome for the person bringing the lawsuit, that, you know, that's that's tough. 
um, when, you know, a lawsuit can very easily run in the tens of thousands of dollars, um, you know, it, it's something that a person really has to weigh. People will throw around the idea of suing um, a girlfriend or a boyfriend because their spouse cheated as revenge. But then when you then when you tag a you know fifty thousand dollar price tag on it, it doesn't seem like revenge anymore. Um, so that I mean that's the thing that that I would you know caution somebody against. And and let's talk about just if we can with a minute or so left here. Well, you know when someone comes to see you in a divorce driven by this type of a situation, how do you handle that? Do you do you say hey let's let's slow down here a little bit. Let's you know let's kind of catch your breath and figure out what we want to do. Or is it better to be very aggressive? Um, you know, how does this factor into how you deal with a client when they're in a very emotional state? Well, when a client's in an emotional state, I think there's a couple things that really have to come into play. One is that it's important to listen to people. I mean, people want to be heard and they want to be understood. In this kind of situation, it's very frustrating for a person to find out that they've been cheated on. And I mean, there's no other way to cut it. It's very frustrating and very difficult to for them to wrap their heads around. Um, and so, you know, an empathic approach is probably the best and only approach that should be taken at that time. The next thing is to try to, you know, separate the emotional issues from the financial issues because divorce has both. Um, you know, the cheating part is an emotional issue, but we shouldn't, you know, we can't make, uh, you know, essentially irresponsible financial decisions because of the emotional side. And that's what a good lawyer will do is try to, you know, separate those two things and try to, you know, make sure that each one's accommodated and that we don't get so angry at the other side that we shoot ourselves in the foot on the financials. Um, you know, and there are ways that we can, you know, make up for, you know, for instance, dissipation. If someone's spent a lot of money on gifts for their new boyfriend or girlfriend or trips that they wouldn't be taking, we can try to make up for that in the divorce settlement and get that kind of revenge. Um, but it's not the same thing as... Um, filing a lawsuit that's going to be very costly. So, you know, sometimes it's really hard for people who are going through a divorce to get their head around the fact that they're actually going to be divorced. Um, and that's something that, you know, a good attorney has to walk them through. Okay. Well, um, as always, great advice from Christina Rigo. You can find out more about her, uh, the family law practice, and, and any of the attorneys at LaBelle Law Limited by giving them a call at 847-705-7555 or visiting LavelleLaw.com. Plenty of information there and plenty of information here each week as we come back with uh, podcasts. Next week, uh, Emil Alcas will be here, and we're going to talk about another new topic, how to legally change your name, something we haven't covered before. Looking forward to that discussion. Hope you'll join us for it. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.